Welcome. Wam Gelegile. Welcome to the Hello Musenberg podcast, where people talk about local issues and tell the unique stories of the people of Musenberg. And now, to get you going with this edition is our host, Wayne Turner. Now, that introduction makes me seem like some famous talk show host. Now, to get you going is our host, Wayne Turner. I thought it was cool at the beginning, but as we become more and more community-focused, maybe I need to change it sometime, but it's fun. <laughs> How are you this mild Thursday morning? Absolutely fabulous and so happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm walking without mm-hmm. my crutches now. Uh-huh. Moon boot's still on. Yeah, it's got to be on for another three weeks, but, good. but that's it good. It's just protecting it. Yeah, exactly. But otherwise, that doing really well. Always look forward to our Thursday podcasts. You yeah, see, it's almost like I don't quite have a preview of what's happening, but we look at it early on a Thursday. Sometimes <laughs> when people don't have it, it hasn't been delivered yet. So it's always interesting to see what the latest yeah. stories are. How's your week been? Fabulous. Very busy. Very intense. Yeah, because we were together at that uh, event with yes. that Inej Arendt organized the business to business thing. That's right. Yeah, uh, I got some really nice photos there. Oh, it was beautiful. The lightning was amazing. It was like you're in one big white light yes. box. On my yes. iPhone, it's got an incredible camera. Uh, it was like I was in one of those studios, you know, when families used to get their photos yes. taken together with a white background. Yes. <laughs> no, they were stunning. My pics came out nicely as well. I they was so, really happy. They were so good. It almost looked a bit kitsch because <laughs> it seemed like it's that old time way of yeah. taking photos. Yeah. No, it was great. It was a great event. Eh? Absolutely, we'll probably chat, yeah. a, chat a little about it during the uh, course of the podcast. Right, uh, Yolandi is still oh, shame. Poor lady. Oh, oh, the poor it, thing. It's a Prague, tough life. Dublin. Oh, it's a really London. tough life she has to do. Yeah. <laughs> so she's in Prague at she'll, the moment. Yeah, she'll grace us with her presence eventually. <laughs> we, we hope so. And uh, I'm sure we'll have something interesting to talk about <laughs> on the podcast. Maybe we need to dedicate the one to yes, Yolandi's travels. travels. Oh, it's a fabulous idea. <laughs> we, we can cross question her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's kick off with uh, a story from uh, the False Bay Echo. We like to give the news behind the news, the joys, the sadness, stuff you wouldn't get from a 500 or 1,000 word article. The one we want to kick off with is about dementia, mm. and that is Alice. Alice Ashwell. She's uh, a Musenberg resident in Marina de Gama. Marina de Gama resident, and what a wonderful woman. I actually came away from that interview quite changed it, it it shifted my perspective on the the idea of dementia and how we approach it mm. um her point of view is so vastly removed from how we see it and traditionally in western world we see it as a as a terrible loss and a tragedy well that's one of the things i've always heard about dementia or alzheimer's yeah is that the people who suffer are the family because the other person right. goes on their merry world and they that's do right. they do have to get stressed depends on the degree the level yeah. of it but really it's the it's the people who always say we are the hardest uh, affected by Absolutely. it but she doesn't necessarily think that uh what she's learned um as multi-leveled things but um she said that the when when your intellectual capacity fades what comes out instead is a, a very full emotional response so these people can read you way better than what you can read yourself you actually have sort of scant capacity when you're thinking to pick up on the emotional aspects. So you become more uh, highly, emotional. Highly emotionally attuned. So that is when you are going to go in and deal with somebody with dementia, they've read your emotional state long before you've thought about it. So you walk in that door and they know they exactly. They feel your 
aggravation, your upset, whatever. And it's quite sobering because she says, you know, sometimes they have no idea why you're angry. And other times they know exactly why. Mm. But they and still if feel you're it. You're going they... there. If you're upset because you are now inconvenienced, or you're rushing to get the, through this particular process, and you just need to get this done. Mm. And they get upset by it, defensive, and react. And that's where a lot of the stubborn and things come in. Because I think when we refer to this article coming up, yeah. I think you used the example of mm. um, when you're the daughter, now you have to go uh, bath your mother. That's right. Or assist her to bath or shower. And she doesn't even remember who you are. Exactly. And so her emotion says, stranger wants to undress me. Exactly. And, and they and react immediately. Absolutely. And the other thing she said was that people asked her often, because her mom had Alzheimer's for, uh, or dementia for 15 years before she passed. Long time. Long time. And people would say to her, Alice, why do you go? She doesn't know who you are. And Alice said, but I know who she is. And that's one of the gifts mm. that we can give them, is that we can remind them of the essence of who they are. Just because they have lost their intellectual capacity and reasoning doesn't mean that they're a different person. They still achieved all the things that they mm. achieved in their life. But you never know when that window is going to open. Correct. And if you have the impression that they don't understand, they're not with you, when that window does open exactly. and they have full recognition that right. that small moment mm-hmm. is now filled with an, an irritation or a moment oh yes. you're saying oh what you're doing or yeah. this is really getting to me because people start to treat them as if they're not even there exactly she had a beautiful idea as well which I think is worth investigating that a lot of people are retired and they have a lot of time on their hands and then you have the need of these people with dementia who don't necessarily need so much carers as they need a friend mm. and uh, there was a beautiful idea of, of, of the family putting together a book perhaps a, a playlist of music that that person remembers and would respond to because music and poetry are the two things that they mm. they retain so her mom was uh, in her 90s and the last time the family got together she still did a piano recital for them with full-blown dementia wow. she did her p- piano recital so those things are, are methods of communication they're doorways and the other thing that alice was saying is that look we understand that they can't come into our world anymore. It's like they're taking a ticket mm. and they're, they're going to a different place. And what her approach is, is almost like a lonely planet garden, how to reach them. I saw a remarkable video. I don't know if it was on TV, but I did see it again on YouTube. It was, it was this old uh, guy and uh, he used to just sit there, his, his chin virtually on his belly button Why? in this special wheelchair. And someone came up with the idea mm. of music therapy. So they yeah. asked the family, what did he like? So they got all that music on a, I think it was actually a tape recorder, mm. a, a cassette. They put a pair of headphones on him. Oh. They turned it on. Remember this guy's had yeah. full-blown dementia or Alzheimer's. He sat up yeah. and said, that's my music. Oh, yeah, you see. And he listened to it and started singing along with it. Yeah. And uh, he would tell them, that was, those were great times. Oh. And it was such a remarkable transformation. It, yeah. it, it connected something in his brain when they took it off he'd sort of go back not to the point where he was but still yeah uh, with full dementia but it opened those windows exactly just for those couple of hours yeah or it could have if they kept it going he probably would have been but it would tire him out (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but what a, I mean the, the quality of life mm. for him and for the people around him for him to actually so we they're not entirely lost they, we just have to learn to access them differently so now of course people listening in would probably want to be able to contact Alice or try to get further information where can they get further information from about this she seems to have a different a very different approach right she has a website which is uh, Dementia Connections SA. Dementia, D-I-M-E-N-T-I-A, Connections. Connections SA and her other, yeah, and then heartofnature.co.za as well because she's a life coach as well. Right. And obviously she combines the, the two principles. And the reason that it's important is because with the rise of diabetes and the link now between diabetes being actually called Alzheimer's 3, well, that's what Tim Noakes was exactly. saying. Uh, type 3 diabetes. Type 3 diabetes is Alzheimer's. Is Alzheimer's because of the way the glucose bombards the brain. Correct. If you're susceptible to getting it, yeah. that glucose really messes up and overloads the brain. It's I all inflammation in the mm. brain, and that's a massive problem. But the, the problem is rates of, di- of diabetes are increasing. I know, I have it. So <laughs> this is a really it's a sobering prospect for people who have it and, and and the more conscious you are I mean Alice has changed her diet as well because she's and she said that was one of the gifts that her mom gave her was teaching her to be more mindful and more present mm. to her own nature and to her own processes and also to the to what she's putting into her body my mom is very sharp with type 2 diabetes she's limited her carb intake and she's bright and connected that's it and We've heard, I had Tim Noakes and Neville Wellington, he's our mm. diabetes doctor on CCFM on my radio show last week. I'm probably going to put the podcast out there. Really, really interesting. Just mm. seeing how the research they're doing. Yeah, it's remarkable. What yeah. can be done? It's, see, it's a shift in perspective, which yeah. Alice offers. And so is that, uh, so is dementia. It can be viewed as yeah. an opportunity to be more mindful. Okay, the lead story on the False Bay Echo mm-hmm. is not a Musenberg story, it, but it does affect us. It's from a community outside Fishhook, and that's Ocean View. No matter how much we like to say, well, that's another community's problems, we are all interconnected, and Correct. this has ramifications, knock-on effects, and we need to deal with it. And the story is called The Legacy of Violence. You wrote this one. I did, yeah. Oh, it's, it, it breaks my heart, that place. The rate of violence, the the levels of violence, the trauma that they are um, experiencing, and when I say they, the community on every level, but particularly the children. Mm. The children are always heavily impacted. Heavily impacted, and the thing is, it's 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 um, exasperated because you have um, <laughs> you have when there's a murder, and there's a murder almost every week, sometimes more. The people come out to see what has happened because there's this innate human thing that you want to go and witness, bear witness to this. And you also probably know the person who's now lying there dead in the street. But they take their children with. And you've got tiny, tiny children who are out there. And we don't know if the, if the shooters are still there. But even if the shooters aren't, it's seeing still those bodies trauma. and sometimes the deformation when a bullet goes through exactly that that child is exposed to something that yeah. they should never be exposed to you as a, a a police person you know that you, as an adult the effect that it has so imagine, absolutely 
on a child that has no processing capacity yet. And the other thing is parents tend to keep their kids more inside when there's trouble because yes. they don't want to be the victim of a stray bullet. Correct. So your kids want to get out, the parents want them inside, so it yeah. creates other dynamics and it vibes. It really does. It really does. So the levels of trauma, um, Johan Kikilis, um is a minister in the area and he runs Soteria ministries, uh, ministries and he also runs the Ocean Care um, Ocean View Care Center. And he says that when he started, they, the average age of kids in trouble were 14 and possibly they were smoking dope. Worst. Dacha. He says now he's dealing with seven and eight-year-olds who want to join gangs, who are refusing to go to school at seven and eight years old because they want to join a gang. And they're not just one gang or two gangs in Ocean View. The, top, the reason that there's violence at the moment is that the top three gangsters in the area have been arrested, which is fantastic. Great work by the police. They've been arrested, but what has now happened is that there's, it's created a vacuum at the top, and now the underlings, they want to have a top position. So they're vying for it. And also, gangs that are on the outside have seen this, so now they're also wanting... Making it's their move. Form. Making it's their move totally. to take over a new area for... Because the whole thing is driven by drugs and selling drugs. It's all turf war for drug uh, drug trade. Yeah, drugs sell. It's terrible. It's, it's really damaging. And you have 12-year-olds who are running around uh, in the middle of Ocean View just randomly shooting people. And running around saying, Well, I mean, what do you, how do, so. So, okay. so when that 12 year old gets to 16, 18, when they have access yeah. to guns, it's just part of the whole. But the seven and eight year olds have access now. The gangs are actually targeting children that young. So, Johan Kekelis and this beautiful man, um, Ishmael Sabudin. Um, the he's, two, a, he's a Khoi Muslim. Yes. Johan is Christian and white. And the two of them, from these vastly different backgrounds, and it's not me saying, you know, not uh, naming those things. They actually, when we met with them, said, here we are, we're, two, we're from completely different backgrounds. The situation is so dire that we've come together, we want to work together, and we want to make a difference for these children. They've got nothing so, naturally in common. No, but, the, but for their love of that community and, and wanting to help mm. to shift this tide, which is threatening to take over. To, it's a lost generation. Johan calls it a, um, a morally and spiritually bankrupt youth. He says there's a youth crisis. So the appeal is for people who can... Um, counsel these traumatized children then you see you have to be careful because sometimes if the person doesn't know what they're doing they create a secondary trauma and you can lose that child for good mm. so it has to be people who know what they're doing and who are willing to help and he says there are lots of ways that they can help and they can actually come together that people who are afraid to go into ocean view don't necessarily need to they um johan and ishmael will be the the kind of cogs and they will be able to direct them in the way that they can help best where the needs are the greatest exactly so that's the trauma counseling but also to get these kids out i mean we've spoken in the, in the past about luke Curis and the things that he does and so there needs to be more of that and um johan and ishmael are wanting to take the children on nature walks because ishmael has 25 years of experience as a um Edu- ed- environmental education officer with Sandpox and he's no longer with Sandpox so he's moved and he wants to um, he wants to immerse children in Ocean View in the culture that they've lost he says a lot of that lost generation is because they're culturally bereft they don't know where they come from who they are where they fit in and a lot of those children are actually of Koi descent so he wants to so it's a, it's a dual process of taking them out into the area that they live in 
and instead of seeing the inside of their locked doors for safety's sake to take them out into the wilderness to teach them about the fauna the flora their place in the world if you have no interests sometimes no television you're not a reader so you yeah. don't immerse yourself in books what is there except the camaraderie and the community of gangs exactly and it, it's it's a very compelling language because a poverty stricken area if you know that you can get money and somehow that that can help the family it becomes very twisted but there there is uh, almost nothing else for mm. them so the, the invitation is to create something else so plastics is now yeah. becoming a real major threat to life and you uh, chatted with someone who did a presentation at the Hive in Palmer Road? Correct, uh, Dr. Tony Butt, uh, oceanographer. He spends half of his life in Spain and half of his life in Komiki and um, he, ha- he did a, um, a talk at the Hive. A little bit about preaching to the converted because everyone who is there is very passionate about the plastics. But um, the information that he shared was so valuable. It's basically and an equipping session, yes, giving them more skills and exactly. information. Because you need, you need really, what you need is those people, a bunch of evangelists that are going yes. to go out and tell the message to yes. everyone else and, and motivate. Because he's only one person. That's it. And everyone is on only one person. But together, when you do something, it actually makes a difference. <laughs> who am I? What is, this? What, 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 what is that old, old thing? Uh, if not, teach one to reach one. Oh, I like that. You teach one to reach another. Yes. You know, and you do a bunch around, they, they do it. And if you've got a good enough uh, system going, you're going to let people know. Yeah. And if not now, when? We, we're running out of time with our environment. Not oh, podcast. I was going to say, what? <laughs> Already? <laughs> oh, no, no. We've got plenty of time for the podcast. Okay, that's great. <laughs> but we don't have much time for our planet unless we're getting this plastics yeah. right. I see um, Kevin Rack sent me a, um, a link yesterday to the an article that was saying that there is there have been microplastics found in the drinking water in Johannesburg. I, I saw that article. Yeah. It came across Facebook yeah. or one of the news feeds. Uh-huh. Microplastics in the drinking water. Uh, Get your filters out. And there goes Megan Cross. Yeah, What's Megan. it? Waves for change. She's involved in. Uh, believe in Shatsi. I believe in Shatsi. A whole bunch of kids. She's walking past. That's Megan Cross. We interviewed a couple of. And Ashton uh, behind us. Yeah, Hi, Ashton. Ashton. He's been patrolling in, <laughs> in his uh, international uh, tracksuit, South African yes, surfing tracksuit. Yeah, yeah, he's looking very dapper yeah. today. <laughs> I chatted to him just now. A slight digression. I said, all these tourists taking photos, they must take photos with you. You're an, yes. inter- you're an international you're sportsman. Right. You're right. We, yeah. have to, we have to market that man more. Right. Uh, uh, we're losing our… Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're too community <laughs> focused. When, when someone interesting walks past the, like, the van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you said you… I did a bit of research about the plastics. Um, and it is, it's really… I mean, there have been studies as far back as 1969 with the John Hopkins University toxicologists… And they were talking about DEHP leaching from plastic and into human tissue. So in 1972, another article, uh, um, lots of research over the years, which are just telling us again that the early warning system was already flagged in 1969. I was 10 years old, so... I, was, I wasn't even born yet. I was <laughs> so that's almost 50 years ago they were flagging. Exactly. And now there are, are studies that are saying, yes, you're finding microplastics in the tissue of fish. Yes, it's coming through in the birds. Um, I mean, it's not only just that the birds are dying of eating the plastics, thinking that it's food, but they're now um, the, the microplastics are actually being absorbed into their, um, their their body tissues. So when they drink some water or they drink eat something that's got it and it gets absorbed into them as well. Yeah, and the Science News article, How Plastic We've Become, 
said that the federal government study now reports that BPA laces the bodies of the vast majority of American residents, young and old. So that's American, but there's no doubt that the same thing is applicable. We're always yeah. a couple of years behind. It's going to come. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay. So now the fish are full of it and we eat the fish. Right. Yeah. So not, that's another big so one. No. We, we need to keep uh, plugging away at the plastics issue. I know it's, it's like flogging a dead horse sometimes, but you need to keep it in your uh, in the front of your mind. Okay, uh, let, let's quickly... Uh, it's much uh, festivity outside. There is. It's all these <laughs> youngsters who've come to surf for the different surfing clubs. And uh, yeah, the business event we held in Musenberg last Thursday night... Inish. Uh, yes, Inish Aronsa initiated Fabulous. with the Musenberg Pulse. Yes. I was so impressed. There were about 60 people there. I, I very seldom see very well-attended events like that. And it was a Thursday night. Especially, especially when it's a business yes. event. Yes, exactly. Well, it was business networking, and I love the idea of the fact that um, Inish is saying... How about we support local business? How about local business supports each other? Yeah, um, It's a very community-minded approach, and there's a great vision behind that. And uh, I was thrilled to see the kind of support that, that um, was given to the idea. And I think it's going to build because this was the first connective meeting between um, all these people. And also from that, um, they will, there's more talk about uh, launching First Fridays, which are going to mm. be a, um, a, a whole series of events where we actually get people to come here, show them what Musenberg has. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was in, uh, in a shop a day or two back and June. Oh, yes. From June, June <laughs> the coffee shop popped in. And she, we were chatting. She said, have you seen the no smoking signs? I showed her where they were. And she wanted a right of admission reserved sign. And there's nothing there. So I said, you give me a couple of chocolates, I'll laser cut you one in <laughs> wood. Fun. And she thought, oh, that's cool. And we, and we did a little transaction where we were, a <laughs> bit of a bartering Love system it. we have going in Musenberg. But there's always something happening. Yeah. What I'm trying to illustrate is we can always do business with each other. There's exactly. something you do that someone else needs. Exactly. And Stephen Harris was at the event and he was talking about co-working situations, which is also um, a growing idea. It's not a, mm. The hive has already been that for yeah. a long time. Well, we um, started that with the Alive Cafe about yes, five right. years ago. That's right. That's how I really got drawn into community. I used yes. to sit there with my laptop and I used to, I used to work. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I see the idea keeps resurfacing and it wouldn't do that unless there was relevance. So there's a, there's a, a very interesting future ahead for, for people who are here. And because Musenberg is like a great link, it links to so many different areas, mm. you know, Strontfontein, all the other places. It's not far from town. It's not far from Cape Point. It's a great draw card and there's a lot going on here. Right. And I, I did do a podcast at the event. I interviewed uh, three, uh, two of the role players and then, of course, Stephen uh, Harris. Interesting man. So, so that's a podcast that's on hellopodcast.co.za. So go take a listen to that. Did you speak to Claudia? Yes, I interviewed Claudia as well. Oh, Claudia, she's a character. <laughs> uh, we're going to end off. But before we do, this is not uh, a local article. But it's one that you had about the reporting of crime. Community must report any information to the police. Yeah. I, I was chatting with someone who had a complaint. What was it? It was a young lady. Oh, their car in Royal Road had 28 scratched on it. Uh, it's happened once or twice. Yeah. On Facebook, yeah. And I said to her, you know, you need to report that to mm. the police. Go there, open a case of malicious injury to property. Correct. Put your statement in. Now, if you know no one's going to get found you can put in your statement if 
there is no further information. Police can't trace anything. I desire no further investigation on that. That's better than actually doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Rather, open a case and say, I desire no further investigation. So it goes through the statistical s- statistics of the police. So Correct. they can see when they present their stats to provincial that there were 27 occurrences of scratching n- numerals onto cars. Mm-hmm. If no one reports it, it's only one. So it's, not, it's not a problem. Exactly. So that's the gist of the article. We totally. need to get that. And if they and if they see enough of these, they it develops a trend, and then they can allocate resources. Exactly, and if there are no statistics, there are no resources. So we do have a say. Because if one person scratches twenty eight on a card, or there aren't the resources to no. get a heavy investigation, but if that's become a pattern up mm-hmm. on the mountain. Yeah, they can demand or ask for resources to investigate this particular phenomenon that's taking place. Instead of complaining, they really just use the channels that are available. Mm. Absolutely. And our poor police are hard work. We know that there are, are, are bad apples everywhere, but we're going to do a podcast in the, in the future, yeah. trying to get the feeling, I mean, me being an ex-SAPS officer, that uh, there are things that guys go through and we yeah. need to understand it properly, what goes on. Keep the pressure on. Yes, Don't of take the pressure off, yeah. but be careful what you say because the good police officers sit and read Facebook no, and uh, Instagram. And when you make all these things and you include the goodies with the baddies, it becomes an issue, and that, that's what we're going to look at in a separate po- podcast at a later stage. Mm. But that's an important article to have in the paper. Yeah, it is. Just to get people reporting through and making sure everyone in the police force knows that we have these incidents taking place. Have you got any uh, podcasts? I listened to Sam Harris the other night, and he was talking to a, an author, Robin Wright, and they were discussing... Um, Robin's new book called Why Buddhism is True and he was talking about the links between neuroscience and uh, meditation which I found fascinating so that was a a very interesting um, podcast I haven't listened to as many because I've been rather busy but um, that was one and then there was another one that I heard uh, and I'm terrible I don't remember the name hello Harley it's a beautiful Harley Harley Davidson going (laughs) past you see me go whoa hello I mean that is such a cool sound that that can interrupt any any time of the day I love it when there's a whole bunch of them Uh, and uh, the other one was quite interesting and I'm sorry I don't remember the guy's name but he was I mean the principle of it was please listen to people whose opinions you do not agree with Mm. because this allows you to learn the art of debate rather than taking everything personally and fighting for your point of view that opens the door to learning a little bit more right well I, I went to sleep last night with the Moth podcast on and early hours the morning I remember my wife coming to my bedside and switching it off. <laughs> yabby, 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 yabby. And I, I picked up all sorts of uh, really, you know. But you know what the funny thing is? I think the one that was being spoken about was uh, uh, because you how your mind disconnects. Mm. I think it was two guys that were talking, and I, I heard a bit of the conversation. Then I woke up later, and I thought that's weird because. <laughs> <laughs> it had gone to two podcasts ahead, and there was a scientist talking. I was trying to work now. How does that relate to what they say? Then I realised in my in my in my sleepiness that it was totally unrelated. But my brain had connected to put that part when I was awake with two hours later when I woke up again with another part. Put the two together as if it was one conversation, oh, and wonderful. it was really weird. I, ca- I cannot for the life of me. I just know that in the middle of my sleep, I thought. 
How weird is that? It must have been weird because it woke you up to say, excuse me, I need to hear that again. <laughs> yeah. The one I do remember listening to is called You Say Goodbye. And in that podcast hour with the moth, it was four stories on saying farewell to family. The past was something that the very earth, sometimes the very earth we stand on. Mm. And the, the, it was really interesting because it was a, a Hindi guy whose father had died. Uh, in the UK and they had this thing he was totally disconnected they were translated from Sanskrit into Hindi and then his uncle would translate for him wow I mean in the, in the home in the UK yeah. and then he had to take his father's ashes to some place in India and he went eventually went across his six years later family kept on saying because he had like a window of a month or something wow. and six years later he still hadn't taken his father's ashes so they went there him and his sister and they met this Hindu priest and he basically went Wham, bam, one, two, three, and the the ceremony is over. And they thought, we've come all this way. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't that it was bad or yes. anything like that, but that's all he had to do. Right. And they threw the ashes in a certain place. Then they went back to where the Hindu priest was. And the fascinating part of this story was that, oh, they had to, they signed some sort of document that this had happened or whatever in Sanskrit, but put their, their names to it. They went, and this guy... The room was full walls of little, like almost like scrolls. Yeah. Uh, pages rolled up. And the guy said, that's your father. That's your grandfather. That's your great-grandfather. <gasps> and they went back several hundred years in his, in his family line. Some of it was very, very old. Back through generations and you generations. And he, he was absolutely blown away by the fact that by going there, wow. I mean, it was generation of, of Hindu priests that had passed this down as well. And it was fascinating to find out that his history, his physical family tree history proven was there wow. in this little town in India. Makes you wonder if so, he hadn't gone. So I was fascinated by sure. that podcast. And then I went to sleep after that. <laughs> well, anyhow, oh, isn't that wonderful? It's been really uh, great chatting again. Our Thank you. Hello Musenberg podcast. And if you're listening for the first time and you've got this from Apple or Tune in radio somewhere. Go, pop over to our Hello podcast, and you can communicate with us from there. And just let us know. Maybe you've got an interesting story that relates to Musenberg. Uh, I think I put on the website if you're part of Musenberg, you live in Musenberg, or Musenberg is a part of your heart. You've got a, a real connection. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Tim Noakes, Professor Tim Noakes, and he said, This is where he used to surf. Yeah. So he's going to come on a podcast sometime. Great. He's, he's happy. He wants to get back surfing. He's like, 67 now good for him do it so uh, if you have anything let, let us know we want to really get those stories out from the community that brings us to the end of this one thank and we, you we are going to <laughs> pop another one between now and next week with another subject but it's always great chatting around some of the stories behind the stories and Corin again thank you so much such a pleasure thank you in the near future you're going to be interviewing me I, I think will be, I'm looking it's, forward it's to that it'll be fun. our second interview absolutely <laughs> yeah the one was the newspaper where you pre-recorded me I didn't even know you were recording me Sneaky. yeah and Corin Corin's going to sometimes take a microphone out with her yes. her paper printing side of her uh, life as a journalist and, and get some interviews as well we'll try to pop into the podcast so, I mean imagine taking the microphone and chatting with Alice exactly yeah. I, I want Alice here because uh, there's something in the way she speaks mm. you can hear in her voice the, the, the difference of point of view right. it's beautiful thank you so much thank you until next time cheers that's it for this show tune in next time for another exciting edition of the Hello Musenberg podcast That's a wrap.